0: At balls don't lie. Pod that is balls with a Z. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate all of your support. Without you, none of this will be possible. Oh, one two. Now,
1: balls. Where's my snare? Let's go,
0: let's, go, let's go.
1: Welcome to Balls Don't Lie. I am your host, A N T O N, and time. And I'm sort of flying solo today in a roundabout way. (laughs) All right. So due to a scheduling conflict, regular Steven couldn't be in studio today. So what's going to happen is today, regular Steven is going to fly in a segment for us. He's going to cover everything that's happening in the NBA stratosphere. We have the draft draft. Two days ago, we had free agency about to be underway. We've already got trades and rumors and all these things going on. Regular Steven is going to cover all of that. And me, I'm going to stick with the NFL. I'll get you caught up to date on all that's happening. Uh, We had a game last night, Arizona and Seattle. The rematch where Arizona got the better of Seattle the first time what happened last night we'll get into that and then we have week 11 going down so we'll cover all that and the standings and some other things and nuggets all right I hope everyone is out there doing well COVID is going crazy once again as predicted so uh, wherever you are in the world I hope you are staying safe More importantly, you're being safe and um, being considerate of others' safety. Please, 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 please wear your mask out there. Wear your mask or don't go out. If you have to go to work, wear your mask. Just because you know people don't mean they don't have it. You just never know. So be careful. Be safe. All right, well, let's throw it to regular Steven so he can show us how the basketball bounces in the NBA thus far in this offseason. Regular Steven, are you ready? Here we go. Thank you, Anton.
0: I am very excited to talk about the NBA draft because it is distracting me from... Basically, what I don't want to be talking about right now, and that is Chicago Bears football. I wanted to record a show about the Bears, and honestly, I just can't do it. If you want to hear my thoughts on the Bears, go back and listen to last year's episodes that were around this same time of the season. They will sound very similar. A lot of frustration and all of that. So I wanted to avoid that. And be able to sit here and talk to you guys about something else that happened. We have tons of news going on in the NBA right now. Obviously, trades have opened up. The NBA draft just took place. Free agency opens up later today. And there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. I believe the last time we talked, it was just rumors. Everything was just rumors. So, what's happened since then? Chris Paul has been sent to the Phoenix Suns. We talked about that being quite necessary and a very good move. I like it. Does it make them a contender? No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. But it does make them competitive. It does make them a team you have to take serious. And I think it sends the right message to Devin Booker that you're trying to win. You're trying to do something right now to win. So if I'm Devin Booker, I'm very happy about that. You've got to be competitive. Also, this marks Sam Presti, the GM of the Oklahoma City Thunder. He seems to be on a quest, doesn't it, to secure every single draft pick in the next five drafts. They have now 800 million draft picks. And everybody's praising him for this, which, yes, draft picks are nice, but it's not really that hard to accumulate draft picks, is it? When you're trading away really good players, you can get draft picks in return. Everybody can do that. Can you turn those draft picks into players? I'm not going to criticize them for it because they've done that in the past. I actually think Oklahoma City is one of the better run organizations in the NBA. They're a little bit of a prisoner of circumstance because of their market. But they've proven that they can identify talent. They can draft talent. They can develop talent. They're very good at that. Even in trades, they identify talent very well. To bring in so they know how to get talent in there they do it via trade they're not going to do it via free agency they're one of those cities but they do it via trade and drafting so now you just have to wait and see they can use a lot of these picks to go get players if you want establish guys or you can try to draft guys which they'll obviously do a mixture of both of these strategies and hopefully that you hit on you know hoping that you that you hit on the guys that you think you can build your, your franchise around moving forward. But it's very clear that Oklahoma City is in a reset and Sam Presti is on a mission to acquire all of the draft picks in the next five years. Drew Holiday is officially in New Orleans, not in New Orleans, he's moving from New Orleans to Milwaukee. This is a really weird thing to happen because right after this gets announced, we get Bogan Bogdanovich from the Kings announced in a sign-and-trade to Milwaukee as well. And then we find out, no, 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 that's not official. Bogdan, or Bogan, not Bogdan, that's the one in Utah. Bogan Bogdanovich is wanting to test free agency. So now, when you have a sign-and-trade that wasn't agreed to, they're looking into, the NBA has to now investigate where they're tampering things going on. Because you cannot do, how do you sign-and-trade a guy that you're not supposed to be talking to in terms of free agency deals. We, I'm not sure exactly how all of that works, but I do know that the fact that they came back and said, no, it's not final, seemed like a way they were trying to cover it up, but it also seemed like they just didn't talk to the player about it. They didn't get his approval. I'm not sure if they were even allowed to get his approval or not, but the NBA is looking into it, and it's not happening. So that, which was a very appealing Uh, piece I would say if you're if you're a Giannis and you're sitting there going okay I've told the Bucks fix the roster let's see what you can do with the roster basically it's the same situation that LeBron had in Cleveland we know this we've talked about this bringing in Drew Holiday good move you gave up Eric Bledsoe George Hill bunch of draft picks but people talking about giving up all those first round picks that Milwaukee gave up those don't matter All that matters right now to them is trying to convince Giannis to say, if you are not willing to give up first round draft picks, you are basically showing Giannis, this is why you should leave. Because we're not willing to give up future picks to try to secure you. You have to move whatever you can move. You don't want to deplete the roster. So by bringing in a Drew Holiday, you get rid of the other guys that play his position and you send out picks they have to do that I don't read too much into this in terms of was well, he going to you know there were a lot of executives on record saying you don't do this without his approval of course you don't do it without his approval regarding the player but it seemed like they were implying that maybe he had given them some kind of indication of whether or not he would sign his long-term max extension if they make this move. And I don't think you can read into that. And honestly, I don't know why you would do that if you're Giannis without seeing how this year goes. And now you've already seen that one of the deals that was supposed to make this a little sweeter situation for you has fallen through. And that doesn't look very good for the Bucks or the Kings, but we'll just have to see how that plays out. Then you have obviously all of the rumors with James Harden, Russell Westbrook and Houston. Look, it sounds like they're going to have to move on from these guys. I'm just not sure that you're going to be able to move them to where they want to go. James Harden wants to go to Brooklyn. That makes sense. But if I'm Houston, why am I trading away my guy, one of the top five players in the league, if I'm not getting superstar in return? That would make no sense. So it sounds like they're asking for a king's ransom, as they should, because they're not up in a position where they necessarily have to move. It's going to become uncomfortable enough where it's going to be the appropriate thing to move on from Harden and Westbrook. But you're not in a position right now where you have to. So you got to find the market. You got to find where can I get the most for this player. And then maybe it is the Brooklyn package. That's Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LaVert, a bunch of picks. Maybe you get a third team involved. That would make sense. I'm still not sold on that situation working. I think it'd be entertaining to watch to see if it would work. But I'm not sold on Kyrie, James Harden, and Kevin Durant being able to function when it's winning basketball time. Do I think they'd win a lot of regular season games? Absolutely. Absolutely. Are they going to be a threat in the playoffs? Absolutely. If if KD is healthy, that's all I need to know. If he's healthy. If he's what we think he can be. We just don't know that. Everyone's assuming Kevin Durant's going to come back and he's going to be Kevin Durant. Now, his game wasn't exactly built on explosiveness, so the Achilles doesn't scare me as much with Durant. It's not like he relied on explosive movement. He's big, he's long. He's always going to be able to shoot over a defender, kind of use his length to his advantage. It's not like he ever relied on being a high flyer. Not saying he's not a good athlete, but it's not something that if he loses a little bit of explosiveness or a little bit of side to side, I think he'll still be okay. He's still gonna be one of the best shooters in the league. My thing with Kyrie throwing into that mix for one: Are you gonna be healthy? We're all just assuming now that Kyrie is gonna stay healthy for an entire season. Maybe he does. I'm thinking there's. He's the kind of player that you know, like a season like last year. There's not a lot of motivation for him to be healthy wink wink he might not want to play with those guys he came there to play with Kevin Durant
2: I don't know but then you throw James Harden into that who's always healthy who always plays but who's going to
0: get the ball so we just have to see how that works I'm not going to say it's not I'm just not sold on the fact that it would I'm just not I like their roster with Durant and Kyrie Irving and the support pieces they have, I actually like that unit a little bit better because you're not depleting your whole roster to bring in another guy. But it would be interesting to watch. It would be interesting to watch. So there's all kinds of rumors and things going on. We're going to find out more about free agency. Those have been some of the biggest names involved in trades and obviously biggest teams. There have been other small trades, uh, signings, you know, things like that. But... Really, we're just waiting on some other big pieces to fall. The draft was one of those pieces, one of those dominoes. And right before the draft, some bad news came out. Clay Thompson, it was announced with a lower leg injury. This was right before the draft, like an hour before the draft, it was announced that he was hurt, lower leg injury. They didn't know the extent. We were gonna find out the next day. Well, that has come. Clay Thompson has a ruptured Achilles, and he will be out for the year. And again, Sam Presti sees opportunity to come in and sweep another first-round draft pick from the Warriors, sending Kelly Oubre out to Golden Golden State, which is a really good move. He had just acquired Kelly Oubre from Phoenix in the Chris Paul deal, so he turns him into another. First round pick. There are some protections on that pick. I'm not going to go into that. We won't even remember it until that draft comes up, but a possible first round pick for Kelly Oubre. So the Warriors then had a decision to make. What are you going to do moving forward this season? Now, I don't know if they knew the full extent. Just because we didn't know how serious the injury was doesn't mean they didn't know during the draft. We all found out the next day. I'm guessing they obviously knew how serious it was and they just weren't announcing anything until they knew for sure. But they had a big decision to make because they had the second pick. Obviously, their pick in the draft was rumored in a lot of trades. And so now they're still sitting there. I'm guessing you're still going to try to move Andrew Wiggins because they decided not to to trade the second pick in a package with Andrew Wiggins to try to bring in a veteran player. They used the second pick on James Wiseman, which made, to me, the most sense. We talked about this on the last show. I would have taken James Wiseman if I was the Golden State Warriors because his skill set is one that you can actually have him be an impactful player right away for you. You don't have to wait. If you're waiting on him to carry your franchise, yes, You're talking about year three, year four of his career. But if you just need a guy that can contribute for your team, you have a big rim runner who can play defense. He's very athletic. He can switch on to other positions.
2: As long as you got him playing hard, he's going to be a player that can contribute for a winning team. And he fills a
0: need. So I feel like they got something valuable with Wiseman. They may have gotten the best talent in this draft. We'll have to see years down the road. We'll look back and we'll go, who won this draft? You could definitely hear Golden State as a team that wins it, depending on what happens with James Wiseman, a seven foot one, 247 pound gazelle of an athlete. Those don't come around that often. So that's something you could not pass up on if you're the Golden State Warriors, in my opinion. But as I also said, I thought that Anthony Edwards should be the first pick If I'm Minnesota, based on their kind of need, you don't really draft for need when you're in the NBA draft. You can always fill needs through free agency, through trades. In the NBA draft, I feel like you have to go with who's the best player, who has the most upside. And when I look at Anthony Edwards, I saw a big body, NBA-ready body, explosive athlete, a shot that can be worked on. Watched him play against Kentucky. Kept up with him because Kentucky recruited him. They were one of his final two schools that he was down to choosing before he decided to stick with his home state of Georgia. So Anthony Edwards goes to Minnesota, and I feel like it made a lot of sense because it just seemed like a good fit. You already had your lead guard scoring guard with D'Angelo Russell. You have your big stretch guy with Carl Towns. And now you add a wing player in Anthony Edwards with an NBA-ready body who should be able to step in right away and contribute. Are there a lot of things that have to be worked on in his game? Absolutely. Absolutely. But the, the toolbox is full
2: of tools. There's a lot to work on with Anthony Edwards. He has a lot of things that he
0: needs to add to his game. Shot selection, all of these things. But with the the more spaced floor that the NBA provides, I think he has the skill set to be effective right away. And again, Minnesota not looking to probably be competitive. They can say they want to be competitive. They have the worst winning percentage since 2007 in the NBA. Chances are (laughs) we're going to see Minnesota in the lottery again next year, but I think they made the right pick. Then you had LaMelo Ball going number three to, to Charlotte Hornets which I've watched a bunch of LaMelo Ball tape now. I think his jump shot needs a lot of work. The release point is very low and slow. But he's a six-seven point guard with pretty good vision and playmaking ability. I think there's a lot to build on there. I thought him going 3 to Charlotte Hornets made a lot of sense. Other things that stuck out to me. Onyeka Ngankwu from USC. Uh, he is a kid who said he wants to model his game after bam out of bio. So Atlanta might be getting a good one there at six. You had Obi topping out of Dayton going number eight to the Knicks. And then some other things that stuck out to me as well. Cole Anthony going 15 and Isaiah Stewart going 16 to Portland. Cole Anthony, like I just said, going 15 to Orlando. You had then, then I'm starting to watch as these picks are coming in. I'm watching the draft. I'm watching the draft. I'm going, okay, The Heat are coming up here. We'd heard about the Heat's 20th pick being involved in trade discussions, but nothing had been announced. So I'm thinking, okay, let's see. Is this even going to be a pick for the Heat? Are they picking for someone else? And then we start getting a little closer, and Tyrese Maxey out of Kentucky is sitting there, who had been rumored, if he was in the ballpark of 20, which we knew he would be somewhere
2: in that area, that he might be a guy that the Heat would look at. But there was also a name that was very interesting
0: that was starting to fall that I didn't really expect to be there. And his name was Precious Achua. Out of Memphis, I'd heard a lot about him. I kept up with Memphis quite a bit because James Wiseman, who went to Memphis, was a Kentucky lean until Penny Hardaway got that job. So I was keeping track of what they were doing with Penny Hardaway because they came on the scene with a number one recruiting class that involved James Wiseman and Precious Achua. But this is what Fran Fashilla had to say about Achua before the draft. He said, if he falls to 20, it's a steal. He has Miami Heat written all over him. And after watching extensive amount of tape, I can confirm he has Miami Heat written all over him.
2: And I think that this draft... Which is marked by big Obi Toppin. Kids at the top of the draft. You got all kinds of kids sobbing, and you got the Miami Heat robbing.
0: Robbing this draft because I think they got the steal of the draft. When I watch this kid's tape, I see somewhat of another Bam Adebayo, a guy who can guard five positions, at least guard wings
2: and bigs, for sure, and probably step out and help on little guards. His main attributes, his positives that are noted from scouts, are his effort
0: and his energy. His athleticism. If you watch the tape, this is a 6'9 guy who can bring the ball up the
2: court, lead the break. He's very athletic, very good rebounder, good defender. Again, shot selection probably needs a little work, but he's more developed in his three-point shot
0: and his range and more comfortable shooting out there than Adebayo was when he came out. I can tell you that for sure. Adebayo was not... Shooting threes in college, his, his role was more defined when he was at Kentucky. Achua also has the other aspect of his numbers look a little inflated at Memphis because of the fact that James Wiseman only played three games. So the fact that James Wiseman only played three games allowed for him to eat up a lot of the rebounds, a lot of the points. But that would have been a very formidable duo. If Wiseman were able to play more games, but regardless, the tape does not lie. The numbers might be a little inflated, but the tape doesn't lie. It's all right there. He's flying around. He's a high flyer. His mentality when they talk to him after the draft is, I want to do whatever it takes to win.
2: I'll do whatever it takes to win. That sounds like heat culture all day long. So I think
0: the heat... When you look in the future and you think, okay, well, is this a guy that can help right away? Absolutely. They needed exercise when they got to the NBA Finals. The Los Angeles Lakers were able to beat them up a little bit and just throwing multiple bigs when the when Lakers went small and they had Anthony Davis playing center, if you want to consider that to be a small lineup, especially when you still have LeBron out there. The issue was what happened when Bam Adebayo had to leave the floor. You're not able to switch as much All kinds of things happen negatively on the defensive end, especially for Miami when you're playing teams with athletic bigs. You know, if you have bigs that are your traditional back to the basket type of bigs, yeah, when you throw a Myers Leonard or someone or, you know, an Olenek, you can kind of hang in there with that. But you have these Anthony Davis guys that can move around the floor, do all that kind of stuff. You need to have someone who can duplicate basically what Bam Adebayo does and at some point if you can have those guys on the court at the same time 2 6 foot 9 6 foot 10 really athletic guys that can switch and guard 1 through 5 that sounds like a defensive nightmare for opposing teams you also have to look at what they're going up against you still have to plan for Giannis and a tall Milwaukee Bucks team you're going to have a big athletic Brooklyn Nets team you have two big guys assuming you know maybe we'll see what happens with Serge Ibaka But in Toronto, depending on who they're able to bring in, you still have, you know, Pascal Siakam, some other guys they have there. And then you're obviously, the more big, tall athletes you have to contain some of what they have in Boston is always going to be a positive thing. And then dealing with Western Conference teams, you know, you look over with Denver and you're looking at, you know, Jokic and you have, you know, well, again, we'll see where Jeremy Grant ends up. Uh, And then you look at the Lakers and you have LeBron, you know, when... When, when the Lakers were playing the Heat in the NBA Finals, the best defender on LeBron was Bam Adebayo. He was the most effective defender. He bothered LeBron. The problem is, okay,
2: if is guarding LeBron, who's guarding Anthony Davis? No one. Nobody. The Lakers presented very unique matchup issues that Miami was not able to
0: counter. And I think Precious Achua goes a long way in solving those kinds of issues. Maybe not this year. Right away, we'll see how he develops. It's going to be interesting for these rookies. They don't get much of a training camp. They don't get summer league. Are they going to have time to really get integrated into a system, get comfortable to where they're contributing right away? I think we're going to have to have patience with most of of these guys. One thing I want to finish up on, I don't know if people were following along on Twitter with the draft, but Shams and Woj were spoiling pretty much every single pick. And I got pretty annoyed with it. I had to get off Twitter because I was actually watching the draft, and they were like two picks ahead. And that just kind of, I understand it's guys' job to break news and break things, but you're ruining the telecast. I can't imagine that ESPN was very happy about all of that stuff going on, but. It is what it is. I had to get off Twitter, so I couldn't really enjoy it like that the way I wanted to, just because I didn't want to have the pick spoiled. One more thing I want to talk about, and that is Kentucky's guys. So, like I said, Maxi, we were hoping maybe to the heat. I'm actually glad they took a Chua. I think it gives them a better option, something that they were not going to be able to find. I think you can find what Maxi brings you. You can find guards who are defensive-minded. I'm not sure Tyrese Maxey is ready to contribute for a Miami Heat team and give them what they need. So he goes 21 to the Philadelphia 76ers. Okay. The only reason that sucks for me is I hate the 76ers. And now I have to watch Tyrese Maxey on the 76ers, but I was happy for him to go first round. That was very cool. It would have been cool to see him in Miami, but it did not work out that way. Now I get to see him on arrival of Miami with the 76ers. But I'm happy for him. And then Emmanuel Quickly, who we thought maybe would go early second round, maybe mid-second round. He ends up going 25 to the Oklahoma City Thunder. That pick later gets traded away to the Knicks. So Emmanuel Quickly is now a New York Knicks, which is very cool because he gets to join Julius Randle, Kevin Knox, and Kenny Payne, assistant coach who just left Kentucky, He had been with Cal Perry for a long time and is now an assistant coach with the New York Knicks. So now Emmanuel Quickly is reunited with him. So that is very cool. I was happy for Quickly to go in the first round. That's guaranteed contract territory. So that was very cool as well. Always nice to see those guys get the guaranteed contracts. He developed so much. When I think of Quickly, I think of him more like uh, Shea Gildress Alexander. I don't think he's going to have the talent to be a guy like that. His game isn't exactly that, but in terms of his development, uh, he developed kind of similarly. Alexander was a year early in his development. They thought he would be a two-year player. When he came to Kentucky, he ended up leaving after one. He was a big surprise. He wasn't the highest rated recruit in his class, but he ended up being a lottery pick after his one season at Kentucky and then quickly came in, not the highest recruit in his class, had a decent freshman year, but then really blew up in his sophomore year, showed tons of improvement. Really good three point shooter. If anything in this league, he will be a guy that's able to come off the bench and shoot threes. He's a good mentality. He's a nice kid. So he's never going to be a problem in any locker room. He's not really a high maintenance type of guy. So he'll at least be able to be. He's a hard, he plays defense with effort and he will be able to shoot. And there's always places in this league for guys that play defense and shoot. So I'm happy for Quickly in New York. I hope they can turn things around in New York because, you know, it's just not the best. Even though it's New York Knicks, you could play in New York, yeah, it's cool. Uh, but it's just not been the best situation. It certainly, to this point, hurt Kevin Knox's career. I believe that wholeheartedly. Not that I think he was going to be a superstar, but I just feel like it's one of the Knicks right now and have been for the last little bit of, you know, 10 years really. Especially the last 10 years. Just one of these teams where you just kind of, you know, it's just kind of a mess. It's a mess. And you can really hurt your career when you go to an organization that is a mess. So hopefully they can get that turned around so quickly Knox, Randall can kind of get back on track. Then you had the Lakers. They didn't have their pick. That was sent to Oklahoma City because they got Dennis Schroeder, which is something we'll talk about with Anton. I think it's a pretty good pickup for them. Sounds like, excuse me, Rajon Rondo will be leaving. They expect him to be a free agent, and it sounds like he is interested in the Clippers, and we'll make more jokes about that as time moves forward. But anyways, this was an interesting draft, an interesting draft. I think there was a lot of, you know, quality depth in this draft. Maybe not at the top end, and we'll see what happens with Edwards, but really no surefire guy. I think Wiseman will be very good. I don't know if he'll be a superstar or, you know, Franchise player type of good, but definitely a, a really good player. So we'll just kind of see how those guys develop and see how you know, just kind of see. We never know. Giannis went, you know, what do he go? Thirteen, fourteen, fifteen in the draft. So like, you just don't know. Kawhi, same thing. Some of these guys, Paul George, you're not really expecting them to turn to superstars, and you just don't know where they're coming from. And then all of a sudden, boom, there they are. And you go, well, how'd that guy slip in the draft? Well, maybe his measurables weren't weren't as good. Maybe. There's always reasons for these guys. Maybe they didn't play at a big school. You just never know. You just never know. So it'll be interesting to see moving forward. Kentucky gets three guys drafted. Nick Richards, really happy for him, got drafted in the second round. He is actually heading to Charlotte. His pick was traded as well. He is headed to Charlotte to play again with P.J. Washington, his former teammate at Kentucky. Really happy for Nick Richards. I think if he just gets a chance, he can be a JaVale McGee type of guy, rim runner, athlete, super long, uh, really actually good free throw shooter, mid-range games, pretty solid. So he's he's a quality player that I think if he gets the right time, maybe a year in the G League, and then you can start seeing maybe start to contribute. You know, coming out as a junior, he was late to basketball in terms of when he started playing as a kid. Uh, But there's a lot of potential there. And I'm just really happy for him. Really good kid. Stuck it out three years at Kentucky and ends up getting himself drafted. So excited for him, excited for all the guys. It's really cool. These kids crying. You see all the emotion on these kids' faces and their families. It's it's life-changing stuff. It's life-changing for these families when these kids all of a sudden, you know, make it, so to speak. And it's a culmination of a lot of hard work and a culmination of a really weird year. These kids would already be drafted and in camps and working out with teams under normal circumstances. The draft is in June, so... You know, it's just been a really weird time, probably full of a lot of uncertainty for these kids, adding to the stress of if you were a, you know, borderline guy, if you're going to get drafted or not, because you've left school already and you've been waiting all of this extra time, training, doing things, being limited on what they can do. Um, So, you know, it's just, it's a weird time for these guys. So it's cool to see all the emotion on their faces and just kind of how much it means to them and just kind of You know, dreams being realized. That's always cool to see. Dreams being realized. So we'll talk about this a lot more when me and Anton are able to uh, get back together. A little scheduling conflict is keeping us from doing that. But thank you all for joining me on this segment. And we'll get back to Anton talking some football right after the break. Thanks, guys.
1: Checked out in terms of expectations and hopes for the season. Yep, but the Bears are so great at reeling you back in. You checked out before the season started. (laughs) Let's be clear. He checked out before the season started. Then they went 3 0. He was like, holy crap. (laughs) They actually uh, did what I said they had to do in the the preview. And then they even rattled off a couple more dubs. So he's all the way back in and then lose three in a row. Now he's checking back out. Welcome back to Balls Don't Lie. Let's talk NFL. Let's jump right into the standings to get everybody caught up to where everybody is. Starting in the AFC East, the Bills are still leading that division. They are 7-3, followed by the Miami Dolphins at 6-3. The Patriots at 4-5. And And the Lowly Jets. They are not flying high at all. Matter of fact, that plane is out of gas. They are at 0-9. Going into the AFC North. We have the Steelers, my Steelers, undefeated at 9-0, trailed by the Baltimore. They thought they were going to win the division. Ravens at 6-3, tied with the Cleveland Browns at 6-3, which Baltimore has the tiebreaker because they beat the brakes off the Browns. And then we have the Cincinnati Bengals falling in last at 2-6, Let's go to the AFC South, where the Colts are leading the division at six and three. The Tennessee Titans are also six and three. Their next matchup will be a doozy. And then the bottom of the barrel of this division, the Houston Texans at two and seven, and the Jags at one and eight. Kansas City, excuse me. Excuse me, let's not get ahead of ourselves. We are in the AFC West now. Kansas City Chiefs, of course, leading that division at 8-1. and one. Uh, The Las Vegas Raiders coming in at 6-3. That matchup this week will be a huge one. Go Raiders this week. Uh, followed by the Denver Broncos at 3-6 and, and the Chargers at 2-7. All right, let's get into the NFC, where we start in the NFC least. The Eagles. (laughs) Leading the division at three and five. Wow. (laughs) Three and five. (laughs) Oh, boy. Nobody should make it to the playoffs out of this division, but somebody will. The Giants coming in at 3-7 at second. They are on a two-game winning streak, though, both divisional games, so anybody still can win this division. (laughs) Coming in at third is the football team, Washington, that is, at 2-7, and and the Dallas Americas. That's America's team. Not the world, Craig. America's team at 2-7. Then we have the NFC North where the Packers look like they're going to run away with this division at 7-2, followed by the Bears at an even regular Steven (laughs) 5-5. Minnesota Vikings at 4-5, which those teams could flip-flop and possibly still make a play at the number seven spot in the playoffs. And then we have the Detroit not-so-ferocious Lions at 4-5. All right, next, NFC South. The Saints coming in at 7-2, and two, leading the division. Uh, Drew Brees getting hurt last game could be a problem. They do have Jameis Winston stepping in, but he is a human turnover machine. Let's see if that <sighs> Saints offense can uh, <laughs> play up the snuff with Jameis turn the ball over winston uh tampa bay coming in at second at seven and three that's who i look to see take over this take over this division in the absence of drew Brees. then you got the atlanta falcons coming in at third at three and six and the panthers at three and seven all right nfc west aka the log jam Oh, man, three quality teams in this division. We got the Seattle Seahawks who get the dub over the Arizona Cardinals last night to take the lead in the division at 7-3. The Rams sitting at 6-3. They have an important matchup this week also. Arizona, 6-4, and and then the banged-up 49ers. Might be looking like fool's gold now. Yeah. Yeah. So there you have it with the standings. Let's look at the playoff race real quick just to see what it looks like. If it was to shape up right now. All right, AFC, the Steelers would get the bye if it started today uh, with the number one seed. Then you have the Chiefs, the Bills, the Colts, the Raiders, the Dolphins, and the Ravens taking up the seven spots in the playoffs. Which would be some interesting matchups. First round would be the Kansas City Chiefs and the Ravens. Woohoo hoo. Third, the second game. Ooh, ooh. The Bills and the Dolphins. Then the Colts and the Raiders. There's some good matchups right there. There's some good matchups. I like that. I definitely like that Dolphins and Bills matchup. I definitely like that. And the Kansas City Baltimore. That's that'll be a whew. Oh, boy, I, I don't know if that's what Lamar wants, but that's Lamar. Lamar needs that for his legacy and his reputation because that is a stumbling block for that man. Yes, sir. That's a stumbling block. Uh, a couple teams still in contention will be the uh, the Browns, the Titans. Way down there will be the Patriots. And those are pretty much the only three that can really make a push and make some noise to uh, finish out the season and possibly grab up a number seven or six spot. All right. Then we go to the NFC. Currently, the Green Bay Packers with the number one seed. Trying to get that by. Number two would be the Saints. Number three, the Seahawks. Number four. See, this is the problem right here. Number four would be the Eagles. Just because they play in the worst division in the league and they're winning. (laughs) Oh, there's no way. They should have the number seven seed automatically, it will give them a playoff spot just because they won the division. Though so if it was my choice, I wouldn't. But regardless, they win their division and they get a playoff spot. They should still be number seven. I don't care. I don't care because there's teams that are not going to make the playoffs that are easily better than the daggone Philadelphia Eagles. But anyways, number five seed will be the Tampa Bay Bucks. Number six will be the Rams. And then the Arizona Cardinals will be the number seven seed, which will bring a first-round matchup of the Saints versus the Cards, uh, Rams versus the Seahawks, Philly. Oh, excuse me. I'm messing this up. Let me, let me get, my, get my act together. So it will be, yeah, uh, Saints, Cardinals, Seattle, Rams, Philly, Tampa Bay or something of that nature. Regardless, there's going to be some great matchups. The Bears are the number eight and the Vikings number, you know, nine Lions. Looks like the NFC uh, North has a pretty firm grip on the chase of the number seven seed. So we'll see how that shapes up. But regardless, things are going to get interesting down the stretch of the season. All right, so let's uh, run down this week's matchups and what we have to look forward to this week. Starting with last night, the Cardinals go to Seattle and get the rematch from the previous matchup. Uh, This was maybe three, three, four weeks ago. Uh, The Cardinals pull out a win in dramatic fashion over the Seahawks, so they had an extra little uh, motivation, the Seahawks, to right the ship. Now, we've been talking about uh, the run game with the Seahawks and the uh, the pass game with Russell Wilson. Um, things just not looking good. The defense not looking good. Um, they look like they took a step forward last night in trying to right that ship. The run game definitely had an impact last night. I think they, you know, ran for a buck fifty and some change uh, last night on the ground. Uh, Russell Wilson was slinging it a little bit. Nothing crazy. Nothing like we would normally see out of Russell. I think he was a little less than two hundred yards, but he had two touchdowns, no ints. Um, felt a little pressure. Matter of fact, both quarterbacks last night were under pressure. They were definitely have to use their legs to move around the pocket at times it felt like they had all day but you know it really came down to last night though it's just to keep it real was little mistakes little mistakes holding calls i know arizona had a chance to drive at the end of the half to score um it was just a lot of dumb things a little holding call here uh, a running uh, a a receiver catching a ball short of the sticks and having an opportunity to get the first down but he runs out of bounds short of the sticks it's like come on man you have to have a little more awareness than that <laughs> you know then you have um uh kyler murray um throwing an intentional grounding looks like somebody flubbed the play it looked like it was supposed to be a screen and you know he throws it without escaping the you know the quarterback box that, that they have and he just kind of throws it in the ground, maybe where the, the screen play should have been. But the running back kind of exited that area and he gets an intentional grounding call. And then there's a holding call in the end zone for a safety. And it just it was little mistakes like that that cost Arizona this game. Other than that, it was a pretty, you know, evenly matched game. You know, both teams ran around 60 plays. I think it was 63 to 62. You know, the passing games weren't too different. The running game was, a, you know, the edge for Seattle. Yeah, just, if you're going to win a game like that, you can't have the mistakes that Arizona had. And with that being said, the Seattle Seahawks pulled this game out 28 to 21. You know, that's that's really the tail of the tape on that one. You know, I'm not gonna act like I watched the entire game, but I watched the crucial moments and I saw what happened and Arizona could have won that game. They definitely had a chance in the end. Um just couldn't pull it out. Kyler Murray gets sacked on fourth and ten and it just just didn't work out. Seattle's defense played well. You know, obviously, when you're you're on the final drive, you're kind of playing prevent defense, so you can give up the underneath passes. And, but well, when they tried to launch it downfield, Seattle's defenders were there, and they made the plays. So shout out to Seattle, Russell Wilson, and them. Uh, They're sitting at seven and three. Cardinals at six and four. Obviously, that uh, swings the division in. Seattle's favor so far. They have completed their two matchups. So now they have to kind of wait it out and see what each team does over the final, what is it, eight games? No, seven games, excuse me. Well, actually, six games for both of these teams. So we'll see. All right, let's run down some of the matchups this week. There's some good matchups, and there's some games that if you're not a fan, you're not just going to watch. You're just not going to. Starting. Eagles go to Cleveland to play the Browns. Um, I mean, obviously, I will pick the Browns. First of all, they're at home. Second of all, their team is just more talented. They are both ran by quarterbacks that are so hit and miss that we don't know what to think about them at this moment. Obviously, the Eagles' record is <laughs> no much worse. Um in a much worse division also. So we'll see. But I look for the Browns to pull this off by three to seven points. Yeah, we'll see, though. All right, next matchup, Falcons and the Saints. Obviously, the Falcons have been disappointing this year. Um, The last two years, they've just been ultimately disappointing. Uh, The Saints, like I said earlier, they are dealing without Drew Brees after he had some crack ribbed issues and punctured lungs, which sound ultimately devastating, <laughs> very painful. Uh, they say it's only going to be a few weeks, but for at least this week, we know Jameis Winston is going to be playing. Um, that leaves no guarantees. I'm still going to count on the Saints to, to win this. Their defense is playing well. And Jameis can sling the rock around, but will he make those crucial mistakes? We'll see. I'll still go Saints by a field goal next game the bungles go to see a football team yeah washington oh boy i'm rooting for the washington football team uh brother alex smith i want to see him get a dub and i don't want the Bengals to win even though um I really don't have no beef with the Bengals. They're they're not good enough for me to really, I know they're, you know, I'm a Steelers fan, so I should not ever root for the Bengals, and I don't really, but <laughs> they're so bad that I just can't even, I can't even talk bad about them, but how bad they are. That's it. Uh, they do have a young quarterback that's uh, playing good ball, except when he played against us last week, the Steelers, and we shut him down. But otherwise, he looks like he has the moxie, the skill level, the fire and desire to be a, become a great quarterback in this league. We all will be watching, and hopefully he actually does become a quality quarterback. But uh, I'm going Washington on this one uh, just because they're at home, uh, and I want them to win. Let's go Washington by a field goal. Next game, game that I do not care about at all. I never picked the Lions for anything. They're playing the Panthers in Carolina, so I'm going Carolina. I do support my brother, Teddy Bridgewater, a Ball State alum. So we're going to go the Bridgewaters over the Staffords by four points. (laughs) <laughs> by four points. Next game. We're going to skip over this game first for a second. We're going to talk about my Steelers at the end. Next game. A very, very important game. The Titans go to Baltimore for a rematch from the playoffs last year where the Titans knocked the Ravens out. Yes, they did. But uh, this is going to be a tough one right here. The Titans haven't been playing very well. The Ravens haven't been playing very well. Um, who gets off the mat first? Who establishes their personality first? And to be honest, if you're the Titans, <laughs> just because how they play for some reason or I perceive them to play, they seem not to really really do anything until they're back against the is against the wall. So Ravens having success early doesn't mean anything to me, but it definitely means something to the Titans because that's what it seems like. They put the key in ignition and start the car and really start revving up. So we're going to see. I'm picking the Ravens on this because they are at home. Um, I don't have faith in Lamar in terms of the passing game. If they can get their running game going. They should win this game. I'm going to go Ravens by three because they're at home. But the Titans could definitely win this game, and I hope they do. I hope they do. Next matchup, Patriots and the Texans. Oh, man. I don't care. The Patriots are not good enough to make me care, though – I will say, if they start putting it together, uh, they've they've won two in a row. Um, If they start putting it together, they could make a push at that number seven seed. And I don't ever doubt Belichick if he makes it to the playoffs. So it could be a problem down the stretch if the Patriots actually start getting it going. They do have a a quality quarterback, uh, Cam. And... His protege, Mr. Uh, Watson, will be on the other side. I'm going Patriots just because of Belichick. That's just, that's it. Texans don't have anything on their side except Mr. Watson. That's all. That's all. All right, next matchup. The Dolphins go to Mile High to see the Broncos. Obviously, I'm picking the Dolphins. They have been playing great football the last four or five weeks. Their coach has them ready to go. They obviously have been starting their rookie quarterback, Mr. Tua Tagavaloa. I hope I said that right. If I didn't, I'll practice. I promise I'll practice. They've been playing good ball. Good D. Offense has been efficient. Um. The Broncos are just a hot mess. The quarterback is not all that good. At least he's showing that he's not that good thus far. He's had flashes, but hasn't put it together in consecutive weeks, uh, Mr. Drew Locke. Uh, because of you, I think it's a lock that the Broncos do not win this game. And the Dolphins advance to 7-3 and three and make theirself a major player in this playoff push down the stretch. We'll see, though. Next game. Come on, man. Come on, son. The Jets are going for 0-16, a.k.a. Trevor Lawrence. The Chargers are 2-7. They have their quarterback, Mr. Herbert. I fully expect Mr. Herbert to rally his team to a dub over the lowly Jets. But let's not fool ourselves here. Yes, the Jets are not good. Matter of fact, they're downright awful. But the Chargers have made and invented new ways to lose games every week. The Chargers could easily be five, you know, four and four, four and five, five and four. But they find out ways to lose games in the end. So I'm picking the Chargers to win. But the Jets could surprise folks here. But if the Jets win, know that it's going to be something fluky that happens in the end because of the Chargers. All right. We'll see, though. Next game. Highly important game. I don't know how important it is, actually, but it is more of a, just a great matchup. We have the Packers and the Colts. The Packers come to Indianapolis to Lucas all. That's not oil. It's all to uh face the Colts. The Colts have been playing good ball. Philip Rivers has not been horrible. <laughs> He's had those mistakes now. let's not, let's not kid ourselves. He, he has had those Philip River moments. But the difference in the Colts this year is their defense is absolutely stellar. From front to back, corners to the rushing, you know, we have the Darius Leonard's, uh Mr uh Buckner. <laughs> uh they're just getting after it this year. And they don't really get their just due because they are the Colts. But beware, Aaron Rodgers beware you can see will it be an upset if the Colts win no to me it might be to the national media but if they know what they're talking about they know that the Colts are a quality team and in my opinion they're a top 10 team uh, definitely a top five defense if not top three and their offense is competent more than competent, they're, they're, they're pretty decent. So I'm, I'm actually going to pick the Colts on this one. I'm actually going to pick the Colts. The Packers rely on the pass. That is the, the strength of the Colts defense is pass D. So I'm going to go Colts in a nail biter. But I think the last drive dictates who wins this game. And I think the Colts will come off the field victorious over the Packers by three. By three. I said it. (laughs) Discount double-check that. Next matchup, the Cowboys and the Vikings. As trash as this matchup is, (laughs) it actually is an important one. The Cowboys are literally like one game out of first place two games out of first place right now them getting dubs is important because if they want to make the playoffs it is still possible (laughs) it's still possible which is unbelievable the vikings they're four and five last in their division no third in their division and they can still make the seventh seed they got to start putting it together. They they got to win over the, the Bears this week. Um, if they can beat the ca- uh, Cowboys, yeah, they keep marching towards that seventh seed, possibly even six if they can uh, really put it together in this final stretch of the season. I'm going Vikings because they are a much more complete team than the Cowboys. They at least have their starting quarterback, quarterback even though I'm not sure. How I feel about Kirk Cousins. Actually, I'm very sure how I feel about Kirk Cousins. I don't trust them. But they have a much better <laughs> overall team. So let's go Vikings by seven. The next matchup. First of all, let me let me say this. Thursday night, Sunday night, and Monday night have been a crapshoot this year. Been a crapshoot. It's been some dumb matchups. This week... The NFL has blessed us with some great matchups. Obviously, we got Seattle and Cardinals last night on Thursday, which is outstanding. Now we have a Sunday night matchup that people cannot wait to see. We have the Chiefs going to Las Vegas to that beautiful new stadium to meet the Raiders. Now, if you all know, the Chiefs are 8-1 and one because they lost to the Raiders earlier in the year. And some folks even say that the Raiders might have might have uh, celebrated that dub a little too heavily, and the Chiefs don't like that. Now, me, I am not going to bet against the Chiefs. I want the Chiefs to lose. Now, I need them to because I need my team to keep that number one seed. And if uh, if the Chiefs lose before the Steelers lose their first game. It's a wrap. The Steelers will wrap up the number one seed for the season. Let's just let that be known. But in terms of this game. I'm not sure. How the Raiders win, the Raiders have suffered from the the covid bug. Um, They have 11 players, I believe, on the covid reserve list right now. Most of those players on defense. So most of those players have not been at practice this week and have been kind of keep being kept in the loop remotely via Zoom or however they do their conferences uh, over the computer or devices. And that doesn't bode well when you're talking about playing against a team like the Chiefs, Patty Mahomes, Sammy Watkins, uh, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Oh my goodness. The list goes on. Their squad is stacked on offense. And they need as many reps as possible. Uh so I'm picking the Chiefs in this game to win by at least a touchdown, but don't think I'm rooting for them. I am rooting for the Raiders cuz I need the Chiefs to lose. And how interesting would that be if the Chiefs go say 14 and 2 with both of their team, both of their losses? by the Raiders and possibly having to see the Raiders in the playoffs again. That would make a great storyline. So that's what I'm hoping for. All right, last matchup, Monday night. Another good one. The St. Louis, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> the L.A. Rams <laughs> march into Tampa to play Tom Brady in them. That's what they should be called now. The Tom, the Tampa Bay Tom Brady and them. AKA the Bucks. All right, man. This is a big game. This is a big game. The Rams are in a log jammed division. Everybody hovering at seven and two, six and three, except the Niners. Then you got the Bucks with the opportunity to take over the NFC South while the Saints are without Drew Brees and possibly uh, kind of get comfortable in that division because uh, we all know that the Saints own the Bucks so far. So this is a good opportunity for the Bucs to kind of set themselves up to get a higher seed. In uh, terms of this game, as far as who I think can win, uh, we have two defenses that are uh, highly respected, um, both. If you asked anybody else, they would say they're probably top, at least they're definitely top ten.
2: Probably top five, top you know top six, top five maybe. What it comes down to is whose quarterback
1: is going to survive, per se, (laughs) thrive under pressure, because both sides are going to be bringing heat. Both sides have tremendous coverage. And I'm going to go with the Wiley veteran on this, a.k.a. Tom Brady. Uh, Jared Goff has never really impressed me and really hasn't impressed most people. He's a little hit and miss. A good game. He can, he can definitely ball, but he can have those bad games. So I, I'm going to go with the Bucks by a field goal, definitely close. We'll see if either one of these quarterbacks will survive this game <laughs> unscathed. <laughs> That's what I'm looking forward to, seeing which quarterback survives unscathed. All right. Now we have the Steelers. The Steelers are, of course, 9 and 0. They are undefeated, yes. They are uh, without flaw when it comes to record, yeah. (laughs) Yes, but are they the best team in the league? You can argue that. You can argue the Chiefs are still the best. Either way, you can't have the conversation without having the Steelers in it. Defense been playing stellar. Offense is rounding into shape and finding their identity. Though we are not sure what their identity is, they have been winning the games by throwing the ball as of late. The run game has been non-existent. I believe they have like a total of 150 yards rushing over the last three games total.
2: But their defense keeps them in the game
1: every time. So what did I really think about the Steelers? The Steelers are everything I want them to be. <clears throat> Let me tell you why. There's a reason why the Steelers fans get nervous for games like this. The Jags, the, the, the Cowboys. The Giants, the bottom of the barrel teams is because history has shown that the Steelers don't make these games easy. They just don't make them easy. Now, last last week with Standing, where they just utterly destroyed the Bengals, I think it was 36 10. The Cowboys game obviously was a nail biter.
2: We beat the Giants by one possession. We beat the Broncos by one possession.
1: These games are not ever easy. But there's a reason for that. It's because they are all NFL teams. And if you want a quality to have in a team,
2: you want that quality to be winners.
1: Crafty winners, finding a way to win, no matter how ugly it is, finding a way to win. And that characterizes what the Steelers are this year. We all know what happened last year. Their defense carried them to eight and eight. We all fantasize what it would be when Ben comes back, if he came back healthy. And you're getting it. Nine and zero. Oh. Ben has thrown 22 touchdowns, only four interceptions. Now, couple throws here and there have been lucky not to be picked off, you know. But at worst, he could be at 22 touchdowns, maybe seven or eight picks. And if you're a Steelers fan, you know those are great numbers for Ben. <laughs> we always count two losses a year. Just based on Ben. Just him. He's going to throw three or four interceptions in a game just because he's gunslinging and and it's just not working. And typically those games are against the Jacks. They really are. They're against the Jacks. So how do I say this? We don't like to use the word trap game. I don't think this is a trap game. Because I don't think the Jags have what it takes to beat the Steelers. But all Steelers fans should be prepared for this game to not be as pretty as you would like to, especially coming off of last week and seeing what the team can do. The Jags have a nice running back, young guy, James Robinson, who's been balling out um, in comparison to anybody else on the team. (laughs) They did make a game out of the the Green Bay game last week, uh, getting a scoring touchdown on special teams and things of that nature. But to make a long story short, there's no way that I see the Steelers losing this game. Do I see it not being pretty? You're damn right. That's what I feel. I feel that they're not going to let this be pretty.
2: But I'm okay with that. I don't
1: want the Steelers to have to go crazy and, you know, I mean, obviously I would like to put them out of their misery right away and kind of be able to slow down and just work on the running game all second half. (laughs) That's what I would love to see. But I just don't, you know, heart of hearts don't tell me that it's going to work like that. We're going to Jacksonville. It's just, man, I see it. I mean, you know, 31 to 17, you know, maybe we get a late score to make it 31-17. Pretty close through three quarters and then Steelers put the nail in the coffin. That's what I'm seeing. What I want to see is 31-0, 31-7, because that's what I think our defense can do. But I just don't want to get my hopes up too high. (laughs) But the Steelers will get contributions from every side of the ball. I feel that like they'll get the running game going a little bit more. Do I think it'll go crazy, James, James Conner get 100 yards or anything? Maybe not. But I see it being an improvement over the last three weeks because Mr. Tomlin said it would be. So I have to trust in that. Ben, you can't throw interceptions in this game. That's the only way that the, uh, the Jags can win this. That's the only way. And our special teams has been playing tremendous. Obviously, we got the Wizard of Boz. He doesn't miss kicks very often unless they're super deep or every now and then he'll get a (laughs) – I don't understand it, but he'll miss an extra point. So uh, otherwise, but I I, I definitely believe in our special teams. We got Ray-Ray McLeod uh, breaking big runs back. One day he's going to get one in the end zone, though. He's had a few called back. He's had one called back for sure. And he's had a few big runs and he get hawked down, you know, in enemy territory in the red zone. So he's going to get one in there. But our coverage unit has been pretty good for the most part. They need to be good this week because the Jags did have a, a return last week for a touchdown. So we have to keep our eyes on that. Otherwise, I expect four or five sacks, two to three turnovers for our defense. And that's how we win the game. That's it. So Stillers win 31-17. That's my score. That's what I'm calling. All right. Well, week 11 is upon us, guys. Week 11 is upon us. The NFL season is really in full swing. Um, I haven't seen no snow games yet, but they're coming. They are coming. Uh, COVID is running rampant. Um, teams are dealing with it accordingly. Obviously, the Steelers had to deal with it last week, being not being able to practice. The Raiders are dealing with that this week. Uh, recently, I think uh, Andy Dalton talked about how he dealt with COVID, and it was kicking his butt all over the place after him getting a concussion. And then um, I'm sure there's a few more teams that are dealing with this issue. Whether it not be positive cases, but being exposed and people have to practice remotely, whatever the case may be, COVID is here to stay for a while, at least through the season. And we'll see how it shapes the end of the season. Hopefully we finish the season correctly and not have to go with a contingency plan uh, to finish the season. We'll see. But all I know is my team is 9-0. and 0. What is yours? Hopefully your team is doing OK. Uh, and you're still fully engaged in the season. I know my man, regular Steven is uh going through it being a bears fan. You start five and five or four and O, oh, five and zero. Oh. Now you're five and five, and it's the same old story with the bears. no offense, all D. They stay out in the sun and don't do nothing. They get a lot of vitamin D, but no offense, nothing. So we'll see. Maybe we'll get Mitchell Trubisky back. <laughs> I'm only saying this because I know regular Steven is not going to like this talk. He actually <laughs> I tried to get him to do a solo show and he can't talk about it. He can't talk about his team. It's so frustrating and I understand. Um, so like I always tell you, regular. There's always a seat at the table if you want to switch teams and become a Steelers fan. Um, Even our bad seasons are interesting. Um, Our good seasons are great. And uh, I don't know why I'm trying to pitch this to you because you're not going to do it, but it's always worth a try. (laughs) Man. (laughs) You would look good waving a terrible towel. Regular, you look good doing that, you know? (laughs) All right, man. Well, I guess this brings us to the end of the show. Um, the NBA is going to be starting in like um, a month from now. Yes, a whole month in the NBA season will be started, which is absolutely bananas. I can't wait to see how these teams shape up. Um free agency is going to be crazy though. It's not a lot of big names. There are some names that can help teams and push some teams over the edge. We obviously got trade talks with James Harden and, um, um, who else? Russell will, uh, Russell Westbrook and all these things that are going on. Um, yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting. It's exciting. So stay tuned. We'll keep you up to date as much as possible. Uh, hopefully next week we can get a in studio session with regular Steven. Um, actually, we'll probably have to do that a little early, but we will get it done in some shape, form, or fashion. By the way, we hate skyping. We hate doing the meetings. For some reason, when we do them, they sound terrible. I mean, I see everybody else doing them and they sound great. So if you have tips out there, please shoot them to our uh, email. Balls don't lie. At Gmail or hit me at the DM on Instagram at BDL Podcast. Give me some tips. Let me know why our sound so hefty, bag, aka trash. You hear me? So, uh, all right, we out of here, man. Like I always say, the balls do bounce, roll, and fly, but they damn show sure don't lie. Neither do I, and neither does that regular Steven guy better know that I holler